0: and data and analytics. So if you were looking to upskill yourself or your team for just two and a half hours each week and get access to a network with our industry's giants through our live sessions, do check out the School of Marketing website for more deets. Already, for now, enjoy the show.
1: Good morning, everybody. Just to do as Richie prompted on LinkedIn, just the daylight check for people on UK hours. This Friday is 24 minutes longer from daylight point of view than last Friday and we're now 89 minutes longer than January the 1st. Reasons to be optimistic and of course we've put January in the rearview mirror which is always a good thing to do. Um, But as ever the the most uh, the, the biggest reason to be optimistic is the amazing guests that we've been able to get. We are really so blessed with the fantastic speakers that we've had on, none more so than Carrie, Carrie Longton. And uh, I'll um, do an intro and then Carrie will switch her camera on. And just to introduce Carrie, so um, Carrie actually started her career, was very uh, keen and passionate to get into TV uh, and was a successful TV producer. Uh, For those who are a little bit older, you might remember Clive James' show and uh, Saturday Night Shows, TV documentaries was Carrie's thing. But, big departure... Carrie went on to co-found Mumsnet, which I'm sure many of you will be aware of. And over the course of 20 years, actually became the UK's biggest network for parents, over 15 million monthly users and a network of over 10,000 influencers. So a, a huge achievement. and It'll be really fascinating to see how Carrie moved that from startup to scale and how the learnings from doing that 20 years ago reapply to today's context. In 2018, Carrie set sail for New Shores, uh, exiting Mumsnet to pursue a few other things, including becoming a trustee of Resurgo, which we'll find out more about, which is seeking to transform society by bringing together businesses, charities, individuals and churches. She's also working with business in the community to uh, to reignite and regenerate her hometown of Blackpool, uh, which we'll hear more about as well. But I think perhaps the thing that characterises Carrie is that she is a fearless person. Uh, very humble but very fearless Uh, and she'll probably tell us a little bit about her battle uh, and survival of breast cancer um, and the role that swimming played and the role that swimming I think still continues to play in her in her life. Um, But um, so many accolades but just to pull out a couple uh, Carrie's been in the top 10 BBC Radio 4 Women's Hour power list and was Red's magazine Red Hot Woman of the Year so uh, but I could go on and name many but it is my absolute pleasure to welcome Carrie Longton to the show. Good morning Carrie
2: red hot there you go <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> no, that was a long time ago can I just tell you the red hot thing was a long time ago but anyway it's still on my, this, it's still uh, on my when I did the washing up it's sitting there looking at me
0: so that's that reminds me that keeps me humble. Brilliant, Gary. this must be a far cry from from your tv career beforehand hey eh? now I'm back now on zoom doing oh, these calls no. from from your son's bedroom as you as you mentioned uh, yes
2: He's not in the bed behind me. You'll be glad to know he's actually gone back to university. But uh, yeah, i mean the son's bedroom. I've taken down um, some of the Newcastle scarves that are hanging normally on the wardrobe to try and tart it up a bit. But that's about as good as it gets. No, um, it is a far cry in some ways. Although Clive actually was an early adopter. He when we stopped working together, um, he would do interviews on he'd make his own interviews. And I think actually, if I was doing television now, it probably would look something like this. So there you go.
0: Okay. Awesome. But look, Harry, Um, first of all, um, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much for everything that you've done through the years. And, it, and it's a real personal you know, sort of accomplishment that you're on this morning because I have two little ones, uh, a two year old and a one year old. And before they both um, came to be, you know, me, me and the missus spent many, many hours on mom's net. So, you know, it's just remarkable to actually see the person here who created it um, and, and to see where it is today. So it's great, great to have you on, Carrie. Um, just let's start off and ask, you know, the last year has been turbulent for everybody, but how's it been for you? Um,
2: I wouldn't. I've been very, very lucky in that, uh, you know, my father, I mean, I don't want to say it out loud too much, but my dad, who is nearly 90, is still with us. So that seems to me like the biggest achievement so far. Um, and I did manage to get some holidays last year, which anyone who knows me knows that the places will go very much refers to me. I love to get away um but no it's you know it's getting a bit as like everybody's getting a bit grindy now isn't it but we had a snow day you were pre- I mean I've I think I mean I will we'll come on to this but I've, I've always been one for trying to appreciate the small things in life and I think this has definitely made you appreciate the small things and for us I've got two children I've got three children but two at university so actually the fact that they've been home more selfishly for me has been absolutely lovely <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure about them I do feel sad for you know all my kids should be having much better lives than they're having now much more different lives but uh it's it's been hard but it's been okay
1: yeah so um you talked about the appreciating the little things So just, just give us a little bit more of you know what's what's become more important that you've noticed
2: more in the last year or so well right at the beginning actually I can't remember it now but on my insta I, I've came up with a list of things that I'll never moan about again I meant to laminate of course I didn't laminate and put on the fridge but you know you know you used to moan about packing to go on holidays like oh my god why would I ever moan and my dad I mean my dad would, I would come and stay I see my dad about, he lives in Wales but I'd see him all the time but he'd put the, the Netflix on in the lounge really loud I mean you could hear it on every floor of the house and I can't wait I can't wait for him to come back and do that and my kids would come home and make a mess and it's like I really want your friends to come over and make a mess you know I want to fight about whether you're going to a party or not you know all those things um that you took for granted and just nipping out going out going somewhere going out for, nipping to the pub for dinner or, you know on a Friday night without booking it and you know, they're all the things that everybody misses. But I think, um, and i def- definitely appreciated my swims, although they've gone now. I mean, I've always appreciated my swims, but no, no outdoor swimming at the moment for me, sadly, because it's, uh, it's all shut.
0: Hey, and you know, um, maybe, maybe um, they'll be watching the show today and, uh, you know, maybe come and give you a bit of a surprise. Hey, who knows? The kids? Um,
2: <laughs> You've got yeah. little ones. Yours have been up for two hours. Mine won't get up for another three or four, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, look, there is playback. There's a playback option, so I'm, I'll be sure to send it to them. That'll be okay. fine. Well, look, Gary, I, I want Hi to ask right? so, you. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, I kind of grew up, I wouldn't say near Blackpool, but uh, sort of just on the borders of England and Scotland. And uh, we used to kind of go down to Blackpool pretty often. Uh, the Pleasure Beach and and have a couple of nights out and things like that. So, you know, I kind of know a bit of the context, kind of know, you know, the the lay of the land and had some really lovely memories there as well. Um, But, you know, how does someone growing up in Blackpool then end up kind of, you know, getting on TV and then having this amazing career with Momsen? How does that happen? I mean, what were some of the the early highlights that were able to to get you to to where you got to?
2: Um, I I actually came from just outside Blackpool where the average, the 70% population is over 70, a very little sleepy suburb of Blackpool. And it's a terrible thing to say, but I just, because it's a lovely place. I love it. And I love all the people who are still there. But for some reason, I just wanted to get away. I wanted to get out. I think a lot of young people do. And again, for some inexplicable reason, I don't know, maybe God given, I don't know. I had this desire to want to work in TV. My parents were teachers. We went to church a lot. I still do. And I basically knew a lot of vicars, teachers. Um, I thought banking, for example, when I went to university and people did banking, I thought it was literally standing in a bank doing checks because... That's the only person I knew who worked in a bank did that. So you know that whole milk round passed me by. I mean, lost a lot of money not doing that. But anyway, um, I just decided I wanted to be a blue Peter presenter. I think like a lot of people, and um, that was my dream. And I just really went for it. And I was I was think again um, partly by somebody saying you can't do it. I went to a careers evening when I was fourteen, and said I wanted to work at the BBC. And this lady said, um, oh, darling, you know, you, you have you seen that used to be a trainee assistant producer scheme. You need seen the statistics. And, you know, and everybody went to Oxbridge. And I said, all right, all right. All right. Where's Oxbridge? Then? Where, where's, I'll go. I'll go to Oxbridge. I thought Oxbridge was like Oxbridge or Leicester or, you know, Bristol or somewhere. I didn't know what Oxbridge was. And she looked at me like I was a complete idiot. So I went to my teacher that I want to go to Oxbridge. And um, she looked at me like I was a complete idiot. And uh, but by again, by G- Jesus miracle, I ended up going to Oxford to do English and a lot of hard work. Um, but all be, all because I wanted to work at the BBC, all because that that's what somebody had told me I had to do. I mean, they kill me now for saying that. I'll probably get excommunicated from the BBC for saying you've got to be Oxford. But in those days, very long time ago, I'm nearly 56, um, that was what you had to do. So I did that and I did lots of local radio. So it was that really, it was this, it was just, and I and even at the age of 15, I worked at the low, I'd go and my bless my dad, he would drive me to Blackburn, which is about 40 miles away, 35 miles away to work for Radio Lancashire. Now, no 15-year-old ever listens to local radio. This is not Capital, we're talking here. This is really, really BBC local radio. But I would go at the weekend and listen to, ring round all the cricket grounds in Lancashire, and then I'd get to go on air and, and report the scores. And I thought that was the best thing ever. So I, I just, I think I loved it. And I think if there's anything takeaway from that, is that I finding something that you love is, is so important. Because it never really felt like work, even all the way through, I absolutely found what I wanted to do. And that was such a joy.
0: Lo- lo-
1: lovely story. Uh, I've got to bring in two questions here. The first is, did you ever get your blue Peter badge? And the second is, can you trace back to what that ignition point of why, why the hell you would want to be in presenting and media and all the BBC uh, and the answer to both questions may be no, but I've got to ask them.
2: Blue Peter is a good one because my sister, who is three years older than me and was was artistic, wasn't academic, left school at 15, did a a completely different route, worked in fashion forever. um, Completely decided quite late in life, in the late mid 20s, that she wanted to work in television and got a job as a runner on Richard and Judy and ended up producing Blue Peter. Would you believe it? I never got there. Um, So uh, so I got a Blue Peter badge from her, which is very nice. And um, your second question was why? Okay, just,
1: is there a, maybe you watched something or saw something?
2: I don't. I just want. I just thought it looked like a different life. I've always liked talking, <laughs> and I think that was one of the things. You know, I, I thought I wanted to be an actress. You know, in that way that you do, and you know, I don't know. I, I don't know where it. I mean, it, it is a miracle where it came from. I think it's something. Because I look back and there have been some amazing things that happened that, that, that were obviously meant to be, and I'm a great believer in that. So, yeah, I, I don't know where it came from. And my family didn't know where it came from. It certainly wasn't. I know I didn't want to be a teacher because I'd went. i spent a lot of time helping my parents, and it, I found it completely exhausting. I couldn't do it. I used to come home and be just wasted. I don't know how my mum did it, bless her, working full-time and having kids and no help. I
1: think lovely, but, idea that, that, you know, a search of a different life. And congratulations, Stephen Kelly, who did get his Blue Peter badge. Sorry, Richie, back to you.
0: No, no, not at all. Um, you know, going down the road that's traveled. I mean, you talked about you know a lot of people kind of you know almost being surprised by the road that you did take, and, and even yourself. There must have been risks risks along the way, right? What are the What are some of the things, the ups and downs, or or some of the risks that you may have taken in order to to get to it, to get to that point?
2: Well, in TV, I mean. I think when you're young, and also I think we were very lucky, and this is going to sound really annoying to everybody else who's out there who's you know paying you know so much money for flats and stuff, but life was pretty cheap. You know, I mean, the biggest thing was everyone assumed you had a friend in London. You'd get invited to do something in London. They go, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and and we actually when when i did have a flat in london another guy who set up um, john robson set up sparkler actually but um he was got a, he got offered um he's a family friend and he he got offered work experience or an internship in london and he said but where will i live and they said oh you know we don't care We don't care where you're going to live and no you know unpaid so he ended up living in our rented flat and it was that feeling that people in London assumed that you knew someone in London that you could live with I didn't know anybody in London so one of the sort of biggest things was trying to find somewhere to live and I remember actually I had one friend who was working in publishing and I slept under her kitchen table for six weeks um when I first moved here and also in those days you had to be in a union so you know it was things like I got a job and then they said oh, well what union are you in I went oh well, I'm in the student union and it's like well oh, that doesn't really count you know you're not in the Nuj." No, no, not in the N.U.J. And it was it was an interesting time for that kind of thing. I mean, in terms of Mumsnet, um, I guess the biggest thing was was giving up telly. You know, I had to stop. I'd already stopped doing TV to start Mumsnet. Um, uh, I, on doctor's orders, actually. I, I, I TV was killing me, and uh, but that was that was something I'd wanted to do all my life. So that was a massive, massive deal. And again, yeah. So it was it was, you know, I mean, the risks when you were younger. I didn't feel that risk. They felt like amazing adventures you know I didn't have a mortgage I didn't have kids I didn't have any responsibilities and uh, and actually by the time I did get a flat it was incredibly cheap and even though I was freelance I mean that was the other thing I was freelance so I took some ridiculous jobs so I went traveling and came back and ended up working on a show called Surprise Surprise we still the black which again people young people may know the new iteration but the album was just you know it was the lightest of light entertainment and I wasn't sure why I was doing it but um, not to get too morbid on it, it was 1991, and I actually became the. They needed a northern representative. There's a whole show you could do on surprise, surprise. But basically, you have to go and interview the punters, as they call them. But but you had to pretend to be somebody else. So I actually got to do my acting. I had to go and pretend to be different people all the time, and I'd pretend to be, you know, having my hair cut by someone's YTS haircut. so I pretended learning my advanced driving test. I had to pretend to be all sorts of different things. But because I had a Northern accent, that was easy. But actually what the great thing was I got to go and take my mum out. My grandma was dying at the time and my mum was only young and I got to take her out from school and have this lovely time. And then unfortunately that year she she died. So I always believe that's why I did that job. I said, God, why am I doing this stupid job? It's a stupid job. But um, I got to spend the last six months pretty much every week with my mum who who died at the age of 50 in 91.
1: Well, sorry sorry to hear that, but it is great that you did have that time. Yeah,
2: too. I mean, I'm sorry to smile about it now. It's a long time ago, but I just think it was meant to be meant to be.
1: Um, so let's let's change focus to Mumsnet um, and uh, I'm so interested to know what was the genesis of Mumsnet and then I'm g- going to allow you to build on that because to bring in Matt's question, which is what were the biggest challenges in scaling it? So let's let's do the whole how the hell did you start? So
2: the, yeah, and it's so interesting because I've thought about this before this show and I think it, honestly, please don't take this away and think how, it's how you make a business now because this is 20 years, actually it's longer than that. I mean, we met at 1998, which is before most of you were born actually. Um, antenatal classes, and Justine was having twins. I was having. My, we're all having our first kids, and then we carried on meeting up, as you do when you can, when it's not locked down. After you have children, <clears throat> and um, initially the idea was to give somebody a little bit of time off. We'd look after their children, and they would go off. And we'd, gradually, we'd, nobody wanted to do that because this is where we got all the most important stuff. Again, most people are isolated from family. I mean, I didn't have a mum, and. You're clinging to the wreckage with these people, this disparate group of people that you've just met. And the only thing you have in common is that you're not sleeping and you have this child, you have no idea what you're doing. And, um, and then after about a year of that, Justine decided she wanted to go on a holiday abroad with twins um, in the winter. And we were like, "Oh, ooh, you're mad. And off she went to Florida, had a terrible time, came back and said, rather than asking you six, who were absolutely clueless, we shouldn't have gone there, um, why don't we ask the World Wide Web? And at this point, I'd just done ITV's Millennium Special. I'd had a child, that had 10 months off. I'd gone back to work part-time. And it might, I anyway, long story short, it wasn't working out. My little one was didn't ever sleep. I desperately needed mum's net. She didn't sleep forever. She sleeps now, thank God, 22, so there you go. There's hope for people out there who've got kids. Um, and uh, I'd collapsed at the dress rehearsal and my doctor had said, do you really need to do this? And I said, well, I could take a break. And Clive was retiring as well at the same time. So Justin said, do you fancy joining me? And oh, let's see if we can find out where to go on holiday initially. That was the initial plan. How do you ask people um, where to go on holiday? Or why don't we do a sort of Zagat's guide to all the things you need for parenting? So this sounds really bleeding obvious because, of course, now you've got Google reviews, you've got TripAdvisor, but this is before Google was even invented, before TripAdvisor, before Amazon, before anyone did peer-to-peer reviews. So that was the idea, peer-to-peer reviews from mums to help mums. And then we thought we'd ought to do a little chat room as well. But how we set it up, which is exactly how you wouldn't set it up now, is we went round, or I went round, and we both went, every toddler group, every TikTok, every singing group that you went to, and we literally signed people up on a piece of paper. And then we went home to our big bulky computers with dial-up. We pressed a button, and <coughs> half an hour later we got on, and then we inputted the information. And we launched with a few uh, of 250 buggies, and a chat room and Justine would talk to me and I would talk to her and we had different personas and I'd be a woman from mother of 3 from Birmingham asking questions about pregnancy and then she'd answer me and we were just winging it really completely winging it and then the big moment was when somebody um just asked Justine a question in person and she said I'm not answering it unless you put it online they put it online and by the time dial up had done its magic and she'd got on somebody else had answered it and i think it worked because it was there was nothing like it and it was useful I, you know, I still use it and it, even now, and it was incredibly, it was basically a replication of that desire to want to just pick the brains of people who'd been through it before you got the t-shirt and parents are very evangelical. If something works, they're desperate. So, I mean, I did this in marketing for years. This is my marketing spiel, but you know, if you make some, a, a, you know, there's, marketing became quite a dirty word, you know, appetizing means like a dirty, mum bloody love marketing. If it works, if you're telling me something that's going to save me time, effort and money, I'm all over it, you know, never be frightened of marketing to me. If you've got something that works. So, um, and it's the same, that's what the basis of Net was built on.
0: You know, Kerry, like, um, what's fascinating to me is you talk about things have changed dramatically, but the reality is the hard work that you, and the graft you put in to go around to actually create your community, which effectively is what you did in, in certainly in the early days, and then it sort of had its life of its own. Is, is is exactly what you know happens today maybe a bit more yeah, digital no but, you know i'd
2: just be doing I'd be, I'd be doing it on instagram probably now and i'd be trying to follow people and unfollow people and do all that stuff which thank god i'm not doing that because i'm very bad at it but um and I'm, and yeah but i think it was very much about building a community and certainly but i mean and actually building a community first i mean because i mean again a lot of these things You know looking back it's you know luck good judgment you know the will i don't know the will i don't know what it is but so you know it was a business it was never a charity right from the word go you know we had ideas it was going to be a business and in those days actually people were kind of sticking a flag into this internet land and staking a claim and then sort of writing a ridiculous business plan and getting loads of money and so initially we did actually go out and try and raise loads of money and um with absolutely nothing (laughs) nothing you know some bizarre business plan that we cooked up in a cupboard and uh and thankfully we didn't make it because i think if we had we'd have gone the way of so many of those businesses in those days you know you've got our sort of hoxton loft and you know sort of hired loads of staff and done all that but as it was as we launched boo.com crashed which was the first online clothing brand and um everyone's all clothes online that'll never catch on ha! <laughs> how well we did. and and so we didn't raise any money and we just focused on what I would recommend anybody who's got any business like this to do is just being useful. And for the next six, seven years, we didn't really make, we didn't make any money, but we were incredibly useful and we built that community who became so loyal and actually shaped everything. The community then became the brand, the community shaped the brand and shaped our advertising policy. Everything it was amazing.
1: It's um, we could easily skip past an important factor around Mumsnet. And for many people around the world won't, realize this but in truth you, know, you talk about at the same time as boo.com I mean you, Mumsnet was an absolute forerunner in terms of creating an online exchange you know years ahead of Facebook and others um, so I'm, I'm sure you you know sometimes hopefully reflect and realize just what an amazing thing it was you did back then but um what 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 do you think has been your proudest achievement it may have been the genesis but you know what what's the proudest achievement al- along the way
2: oh for sure the community the, the, and this is going to sound really but the kindness of strangers the, the sort of being able to put out there because there is kind of well, the mums that exist not strangers are kind to each other but having a place where you could facilitate the kindness of strangers was amazing and um so you know it, it, at various points in my life I've had to go on and ask for help and I'm always completely blown away by the fact that people are willing to help each other and, you know, our 10th birthday, I suppose, was a proud moment in sort of more of a traditional sense in that we, you know, it was hosted by Google and um, Gordon Brown and Sarah Brown gave, came, actually Sarah, Gordon introduced Sarah, Sarah gave the speech, I love Sarah. And, um, and that was, a pr- but the thing we talked about was the 10 big moments and we got moments to vote on it. And they were, they were big moments. They were people saving people's lives and they were people, you know, people's husbands having heart transplants and everyone lighting candles during operation and, there were people, you know, starting a while for Maud and Maud's little girl who died of of, of sudden infant death syndrome and, and people doing, you know, fundraising and and just and someone finding a teddy that had been lost at Glasgow and taking it to taking sending it to Hebrides because they'd lost it. And there's the kindness of strangers, I guess, and that's still going on and that's lovely. And those, you know, it's and that's not easy as you scale. That isn't easy. It's much easier when there's 10 of you and 15 of you and 20 of you, but when there's millions of you. Keeping that kindness going whilst keeping freedom of speech going has been is is tricky, but is is amazing right. and that's definitely my proudest thing.
0: And, and and by the way, I can I can I can sort of uh, empathise with that trickiness. I mean, having researched a lot about bumps net, there's certainly been a few bumps in the road, um, which I'd love to come onto. But I just want to pick up on the previous point around investment, and I think. You know, founding a company in 1998 with a sort of just pre-dot-com bubble. Um, what, what's remarkable about that, like, as you said, right? The whole whole trajectory was about gaining investment and scaling. And I think in today's in today's sort of sc- startup landscape too, we're getting back into that sort of, yeah. um, you know, almost that sort of you know way of thinking about it. And actually, you know, it's very refreshing to hear someone like yourself has been able to do it without taking investment on. In fact, saying that it's probably the wrong decision to have if she. If you did do it at the time, it would probably been the wrong thing for you. And I think I mean, that I would, for me is very refreshing. Yeah, I
2: would qualify that with, um, we were, we, our overheads were so low. So since leaving Mumsnet, one of the few joys of my life, what I've discovered I like doing is getting involved with people at the beginning. So I've got a few people I mentor at the beginning of their business, a couple of people I've got, tiny, am no, not, not big investor, but tiny investments in. And 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 those are a lot of them, they make something. So you need that money. My sister used to have a swimwear business. You needed the money to build something, we needed dial-up. you know, in those days on broadband and a phone, and that was it. So we were lucky in the overheads were low. And secondly, if I'd been a true entrepreneur, I would have been, I would have starved to death and lost my home. The, the good news was I had a husband. One of the reasons I had stopped doing TV was that he was, he's a, he's a lawyer. He works all the time. And somebody needed to be home now and again, you know, and, and if you're in TV, I, I, I was out all the time, he was out all the time, we had this small baby. So financially it made much more sense even though once I started the business, he's like, so you're not making any money <laughs> at all. And we're paying the nanny as well. Can we just talk about this? <laughs> um, so I was I was very lucky. And I say to people, if you've got a brilliant idea to start a business, but you don't have that kind of backing, um, I think now is a great time to go down to four days a week and make that business work. Do one day a week on it. If you know, unless you, you know, or have to get investment and scale bigly, you know, in a big way. But if you can't. I, w- I would often advise people to take a day, make that business work in a day and then go down to three days a week and make it work with days and then maybe you've got to make a leap at some point. But just test the water because, you know, we didn't make any money for a very long time and the only reason eventually we did get massive was we got sued and that was awful. So, you know, you can't legislate for that.
1: i am going to ask you about getting sued, but just talking about, little. firstly, talking about little babies, uh, Stephen's put a comment and he's, he's trying to play lockdown oh. babies. Greatly.
2: I I wish I, I can't see you. I can't see any of you. I'm sorry. I wish I could see you because I'd, I'd, I'd be queuing over the baby. I love a baby.
1: But uh, thoughts thoughts with you, Stephen. But uh, yeah, I mean, so you, you mentioned about um, moderating content. Obviously, the UK government has said that they're going to fine uh, Google and Facebook, etc. up to 10% of global revenue if they don't get a grip on the content that flows through their platform. Um, so maybe you can talk about the getting sued and also some of the most inflammatory moments in terms of, being responsible for
2: the yeah um Yeah. Well, I'm not even sure. I mean, we did actually settle out of court and there was a whole gagging thing at that time. But the, the short version of it was that we... Uh, well, there isn't a short version of it, really, but it was... Um, uh, I'm still not sure if we're allowed to talk about it. I'm not even sure. But basically, a, a, a very famous childcare guru called Gina Ford um, took issue with some of the things that were being said. The big issue for us was it was before the libel laws came in. So... It was we were being treated like a newspaper. So imagine, Mark, you put something on my on mum's net. I don't know what you're going to put, but I was being judged if I did know what was in your head before you put it up. So that was the big issue around it. We could, I mean, it it got farcical. You know, some of the things that were said were were, were sort of you know not funny in retrospect. Um, and farcical. It wasn't it was mostly farcical because Justine and I just had um surprise babies. So I'd had my third at forty, and she'd had her fourth. Literally two weeks apart. This is terrible business planning. Can I tell you, please don't try not to do this at home. And um, so and then we get sued. And so uh, I've got a level, I'm desperate. And also because I'm trying to run a business, I'm trying for the first time ever to really do this flipping, you know, Gina Ford is about routine. I'm trying to do routine for the first time because I've got a business to run. And I can't do routines. I've got flipping lawyers letters coming. and breastfeeding and typing lawyers letters and trying to run a business. And it was honestly horrendously stressful. And we um, went on for quite a long time, but we settled out of court. Um, and then because we, you know, so they won in a way, but we had to, um, but then they went on and people went on and apparently my husband's a lawyer and they do do still talks about us starting the libel, you know, changing the libel laws. That's exciting, I suppose. Um and yeah, I mean, you know, being on community, which is what you know, we're very the whole point of mums is is you're allowed to you're allowed to be who you are. So you're allowed to swear. You're just not allowed to swear at somebody, but you're allowed to swear at at a, at a supermarket, or you're allowed to swear at the injustice of a situation because, and it doesn't put mums in this sort of pink and fluffy box. You know, we can say you can be quite brutal in your opinions. You just can't be. The whole point was you weren't supposed to be mean to somebody else, but. But sensitivities are quite a fine line. So sometimes you'd be and so and then we and also the big thing you learn from libel is you don't um well you didn't again, I've been out of this. I left Mumsnet in 2018, but you didn't moderate. If you moderate, then you're then you're liable. So the mumsnet community, as always, became our moderator. So they could report anything. So Mark, you could go on and you'd say, you know, Richie said this about me, about he says, I'm a terrible person and I'm not a terrible person. Can you? Look at it and I would look at it and if there you know if it was libelous or unfounded or whatever or just mean I would take it down but if I didn't you know if no one drew that to my attention it would just stay forever and ever so that was kind of a fine line to draw and I think that was the hardest job and one of the most underrated jobs on Mumsnet was the community team which I did for nine years because we all did everything um, which was trying to work out was that mean was that is that someone's humour Is that you know because things lost in translation lines that was always quite tricky but the whole freedom of speech debate, I mean, is, is super hard. And uh, I'm quite glad I don't have to be part of that um, in a professional capacity anymore.
0: Well, look, I can I can to say, Mark, by the way, that, uh, you know, I would only say things that are true about you. So, you know, whatever it is, would we, we'll be absolutely fine. So, but, uh, there we are. So you, you wouldn't have us to worry about it. Trying, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, but um, but Carrie, look, you talk about community, I just want to take one minute out um, of, of today's show just to kind of say thank you to our community. And, you know, it's great that you guys come on week in, week out to support us, to support our guests, ask them amazing questions. And, and me and, my, and Mark are totally grateful, um, as well as Jordan, for you, for all your support um, week in, week out. Um, you know, We try and add, add value to you, but I just want to call out a, a few people that, that come in. We can week out just to say a big thank you. So Agatha, um, Anu, we've um, coming in the last couple of weeks, so thank you for that. Um, Barney, of course, uh, Selena, uh, Claire, Craig, uh, good to see you on. Craig, uh, Ingalls is on next week, so he's a guest. He's on, he's, he's, he's watching at the moment. Uh, Dia, Eileen, um, uh, Finn, got so many of you on today. So it's just great to see so many people. Uh, Jess, John. Um, Katja, Lucy, uh, Nick, um, great to see you on. Phil, Richard, Safran, Sam, um, Simon, Stephen, and Trina. So, you guys, just a, a really warm thank you for all of us um, to, to, to spending your morning and, and getting up so early to be with us. So, there we go. But uh, back, back to you, Kerry. I want to pick up on a question or, or a point that you made um, as part of your last answer when you talked about being sued made you famous um so tell us a little bit more about that how did how did that <laughs> sort of occasion, you know create that fame so, let me just turn this off sorry
2: um that's a flippant answer but basically um, we've been bumbling if you look at the graph of growth of mumsnet it sort of bumbles along we've been growing by word of mouth we have no marketing budget with no budget so we were definitely growing and we were definitely staying useful and we you know we were definitely getting somewhere but um this became a big story, and actually, it was. It was there was a war in Lebanon going on at the time, <clears throat> and we actually were the first story before the war in Lebanon. It was pram wars. And my husband nearly fell off the treadmill. He was watching it. He was like, What's it was a big deal, and so people who shouldn't really have heard of us started to hear about us. I remember going and tell how long ago it was because um, I went to um i went to pick up my photographs from jessops and the little guy behind i filled in my email carry at mumsnet.com oh mums no i've heard of mums i think why the hell have you heard of mumsnet and so it just be- we just became we just got a lot of free publicity out of it um and uh that old no publicity is bad publicity i think is not necessarily true but in this case it came out and once you it, the whole point of mumsnet is again about the evangelical thing once somebody heard about it it was like oh my gosh that's good and once it, it worked. It didn't, you know, if mum said had been rubbish <clears throat> and we got publicity, it wouldn't have worked. But we knew we had this nugget of an idea that was already working. We just needed um, a sort of wider audience. Again, now you probably take some Facebook ads or some Instagram ads and we get that wider audience that way. Um, but in those days that wasn't available. So actually a lot of our a lot of our promotion was from old print media. And I also say to people starting businesses, don't discount old print media. Because I'm, I'm so, still so influenced by what I read, say, in the Saturday Times or, you know, I, I photograph things and, and take things and products and stuff. So don't ever be, you know, I think new media is amazing and, you know, it's, it's so easy and you can do it everywhere. But old media still has to fill pages and people still read them. So
1: um, my tip. I'm going to change tack a little bit. First off, I'm going to say welcome, Adine, first time today. Very welcome. And also, hi, Claire Foster. It's been a little while, but great to have you on. Um, yeah, I'm going to change direction. So we're going to talk a little bit about cancer. So the last time we met, Carrie at Festival of Marketing, um, this is the com- bit of a conversation we had, and it's it's still a taboo subject. But in the end, one in two people will get cancer, and one in two people will die from cancer. Who get it? So it's you know it's so pernicious in our society. Now you're open. You've talked openly about your survival of breast cancer. So um, I don't know exactly what the question Thank is. <laughs> You know, I'd love to hear more about, you know, that that, that struggle and that, that
2: success story. Well, the first thing you would say about cancer is you've survived so far. It's a bit like being a recovering alcoholic, I think. You never, I, I would never say never at the time, but, um, you know, I'm grateful. And maybe that's, that's I myth some mean, therapy for that, but that's just me. Um, my background is my, so the story about my mum was my grandma was dying of breast cancer and then my mum died of breast cancer. She got it at 48 and she died at 50. So my sister and I were in a family history clinic for years and and there's a funny feeling that it was always coming to get me. I don't, I mean, that's rubbish. It turns out I don't have the gene. I don't have any of the genes that they know about. I have none of, I don't have any BRCA's. I've been to every specialist. I don't have any of the genes that any of the specialists know about at all, but my oncologist thinks we must have a gene. Um, and I have two daughters so that worries me a little, but, um, so no, my, my, so we've been sort of, you know, going to this clinic for years. And then my sister, um, who was three years older than me, Got who the, was then a single parent of six-year-old twins, got the call that we'd all been dreading to say that there was something shown upon her annual mammogram and could she go in and it turned out she had breast cancer. So I spent a year being her champion um, and um, going in and fighting. I mean I love the NHS, we all love the NHS now, but actually it was quite a fight. They, they missed a bit the first time, they lost her biopsy, they kept delaying it was a fight, it was a real struggle and, um, and a very emotional and traumatic time. And actually, I think having done both, it was actually harder caring for somebody you love who has cancer than actually going through it myself because it's you're out of control of what's happening. Whereas when it's you, you control how you react to it and you control how you are. And also my mum had been such an amazing amazing role model. I think there's a terrible thing they say about, you know, mum's you everything. And mum actually taught me how to die. She died with such dignity and such grace and such love that, um, that I, I always knew I had that in my coffers if I needed it, but she didn't want to die because she didn't want to leave us. And that was always my thing. I, you know, my sister had kids. I had kids. That was the big driving, I had a brilliant, brilliant oncologist. If you forget it, she's called Joe Franks, write her down. She's absolutely brilliant. And um, anyway, we found, because my sister, eventually we found this woman, this woman, Joe Franks, and we trusted her. And she listened. And the first thing she said was things like, what do you like about your breasts? Because yeah, you've got cancer, but you're also about to lose something that you've been kind of attached to for all your life and the big part of your identity. And when most people, no one else had said that before. And so she cared about, you know, reconstructing you in a way that made you feel OK. So anyway, so my sister, I've been through all this with my sister. We've just come out of it. With, you know, we've, we've, we're we really happy. We've had, a, a, you know, it's it's great. And it's it's coming up to um uh, the anniversary of her being diagnosed. It's also coinciding with my husband's 50th. we have got a big party planned with 70 people out in the country. I'm so excited. But I realise it's my annual checkup time and I don't, it's a very long story, but I'll be quicker. We do, I don't have time to go through all the palaver. So for the first time in my life, I go private. I think I'm going to go private. I'm going to go to this, Joe Franks' this clinic. I'm going to go private. And uh, just because it's box, I'm fit, I'm healthy, I run all the time, I swim all the time. I said, oh, you won't get cancer, you're fit, you're healthy. So I go along and I have my mammogram, it's fine. And then I, they say, well, we do ultrasound as well. I thought, that's interesting. I've never had an ultrasound apart from when I've had the occasional lump, but it's fantastic. So they did the ultrasound. I'm not, I'm thinking I've got to pick my daughter up. I'm gonna... And they suddenly start doing this. And then suddenly they change your mind if you do a biopsy. And long story short, they can't give me the results that day. Um, and I'm, I'm still thinking it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody because no one needs to worry. And cancer's robbed me of enough joy. I'm not spoiling this lovely party we've planned and everything. My dad, I can't put my dad through this again. But the long story short was that I went to have my husband big 50th party, had this amazing time. And then on the Monday morning, they, I was called in and they said, uh, you know, you've, you've got breast cancer. You've got early breast cancer. So I was very, very lucky, very, very lucky. Um, but if I hadn't gone for that it, it, um, ultrasound, I would have been carrying cancer around for the next three years. And what we know about, my um, well, mum's cancer, mum died in 21 months. So, um, and my sister's was fast growing. So if I'd not had that ultrasound, I would have had much faster growing cancer uh, for three and not had another mammogram for ages. So, so I just feel incredibly blessed really. And I think that's the way to look at these things that I feel I've, I've I learned a lot and I felt very lucky. Um, I could have had just a small operation, but I went for the double mastectomy to again, Joe Frank said, what do you want? I just said, I want to live basically bottom line. And so I had that. And, and then about a year later, I had my reconstruction went wrong. I had to have it all done again. And it was, that's when I realized I was looking forward to the anesthetic and I had the, and I had it on my birthday because that's the only day I could find in my calendar to have an to have an operation that I thought maybe it was time to slow down a little bit on the work front so actually you know that's when and the opportunity to came came up to get out mum's net and actually it's all worked out terribly well and I'm living my best life in a sunny way I mean I'm different I miss mum's net I miss people very much and I miss the clients and everything but it' it was a very much I thought I knew the value I thought I knew all about how to make the most out of life having lost mum when I was very young and I thought I lived every day as it came but it was only when I it came to me that I realised that that's what I really wanted to try and do I'm not sure I'm doing it I'm trying my best but you know it was just a change It was definitely a wake-up call that was a very long answer to a short question I'm sorry
0: but 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 Gary thank you so much I mean it's just you know it's 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 really kind of you to share that and and share that in such in such detail it certainly sort of I'm sure would inspire a lot of people too long not at all. Look, it it, it certainly it certainly inspired me to think about you know just the everyday um, and think about how we can live our best life as as you said. So that's that's really appreciated. Um, I just wanna just wanna basically pick up on on a couple of comments that are coming through. So just uh, Keith talking about you know the great shows and Simon as well. So I just wanna say once again. Um, you know, that, that, that how much we value the, the audience. And uh, please keep your questions coming. I know we're going to run out of time this week. Um, I want to get to a couple more questions, Carrie, if I may, just before we, we're going to wrap up. So um, if you can keep them as to a couple of sentences, that would be great. Yes, yeah. the, the two that are immediate that are, that are here. Um, maybe if I ask one and then Mark will ask the second, because um, I don't want to ask too many and then don't forget the first. So um, Phil asks um, Can you describe in a little more detail what, um, what you did to, to build the community? And was it a deliberate action to help you scale? Um, we,
2: what did we do? We 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 kept doing reviews at the beginning. That's how we scaled. We made we we found useful content. I mean, how would I would put it in your language now in those language. We found some incredibly useful content that wasn't available anywhere else. We made it available, and then we promoted it in those days through national press. Um, and we kept getting press, and we took every opportunity. So we would do any press going. So at one point I was head of swine flu, you know, we'd go and do any, we'd do any sky six o'clock in the morning. Yep. I'm there any, you know, radio Shropshire. Yeah. I'm there. We did everything to grow that. And it very much was, we knew if you could get eyeballs, then you can monetize them. But if you don't, you can't monetize, you know, a small community, but I would say, you know, if anything, take away anything, if you're going to try and be useful, just, solve somebody's problem be the savior in their life and if you do that they will come they will they will support you and then we got the got the community like you do to tell other people you know you get your community to tell other people. oh my gosh that was amazing i loved it you must come along it's amazing you know so that's you build it by getting word of mouth and that's if that's helpful
0: awesome
1: so uh time again as always is it by too fast so going to build to the last question which is about just gets get some great advice from you just before i do um, Donya uh, said, "Amazing answer when you talked to previous okay. questions. As a fellow cancer survivor, mum, and business owner, I totally understand. Understand, uh, and thanks, Trina. It's really nice that you're you're so open. Um, so, the, the, Matt's question has actually been there since eight eleven. Apologies, Matt, and Richard. Apologies, I don't think we'll get to yours, but um, but we'll, we I'll will
2: talk fast. I'm a very fast talker, so don't worry about me.
1: Um, Matt's <laughs> asked, what are your three non-negotiables to grow your career? I, I suppose my I would sort of fold that into in general. From all your life's rich tapestry, what's what's your advice to people as they grow their careers and lives?
2: Um, find a good mentor if you can. Find someone who you support, who will support you and and give you advice. Um, find some joy in every day. Make sure you find some joy, whatever it is. Find some joy in every single day because life is short, and 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 don't stress the small stuff too much. I mean, you know, you know regrets. Are a wasted emotion, but you, you know, and if you have a bad date, what have you learned from it? You know, learn from your mistakes, learn from regrets, learn from looking back and try not to repeat them. That would be, um, and, uh, and be kind, just be, be, be kind. Cause actually, um, you know, business is hard and working is hard, but kindness makes everything better for everybody else. Um, and if I'm allowed one more, I would say focus on your work life balance as much as you focus on your work but not to the detriment of your colleagues you know I'm not talking about I always think it's really important to to have work-life balance in a in the round as it were that doesn't mean to say I mean I worked as hard as any hopefully I pretty I hope people would say I work hard but I work and and, and I didn't you can't have it all but I did prior, work out what I really really wanted and that's really hard but what I really wanted was to go to my kids sports matches <laughs> that really mattered to me and so I would prioritize that above pretty much anything and I wanted to go to parents' evening and I wanted to go to concert. If you've got kids, the last advice I would give, there's always a dress rehearsal. If you get, if your kids have a concert and there's a big meeting at that point, ask it as a dress rehearsal, because then you're the special mummy who came to the special rehearsal and you didn't miss out completely.
1: There you go. Great. to Love that. A Lovely, lighthearted way to end. Um, Uh, I'm going to do a quick wrap and then hand to to Richie and then do a a prelude for next week. But um, I have to say today, Carrie, it's been quite an emotional one um, of all the very very, very good way when you talked about the kindness, the acts of kindness. And then, of course, when you talked about your 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 cancer story. But um, my takeaways, remember the little things you sought a different life and you found it. Um, You turned risks into adventures. You had to wing it um but uh you know you've you've achieved a huge amount and uh, i think the kindness that you've advocated you show yourself um and everybody should live their best life and have find joy in every day so thank you so much carrie and uh rich your reflections
0: it hey, totally well look uh, carrie first of all you know you were such an inspiration to me um you know before we even had this conversation and um, just after hearing your stories and it's just remarkable the journey that you've been on so really thank you for sharing all of that and, and and by the way just i think there's a there's a comment um, in, in the questions by an anonymous an anonymous attendee but it just sums up so well so a first timer uh, just love carrie's honesty it's been so brilliant thank you so much and that really does i think sum up so much about what this 45 minutes have been about